We continue in our reading through the Gospel of Luke. We find ourselves in the sixth chapter, beginning at the first verse. One Sabbath, while Jesus was going through the grain fields, His disciples plucked some heads of grain. They rubbed them together in their hands, and they ate them. But some of the Pharisees said, why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? Jesus answered, have you not read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? They entered into the house of God, into the temple, and they took and they took and ate the bread of the presence, which was a holy bread, uh, and not lawful for any but the priests to eat. But David gave some to his companions because they were hungry. Then Jesus said to the Pharisees, the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught, and there was a man there whose right hand was withered. The scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would cure on the Sabbath, again, something that was not lawful to do, so that they might find an accusation against him, even though he knew what they were thinking. Jesus said to the man who had the withered hand, come and stand here. The man got up, and he stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save life or to destroy it? After looking around at all of them, he said to him, stretch out your hand. And the man did so, and his hand was restored. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So, uh, before we get started, a quick little plug. Go Bengals. Just saying. I don't know where you are tonight. I don't know what you're going to be doing or celebrating, but I can tell you where we'll be and what we'll be doing. Maybe you're just going to watch the commercials, halftime show, enjoy. However the evening unfolds for you, we hope you have a great time. And happy Valentine's Day to you. I uh, hope that you're able to enjoy a day. We all should celebrate Valentine's because, of course, it is a day that we are surrounded and remembered, or remember the good love of God, for we love only because God first loved us. And so, Valentine's Day is a great day to remember God's first love for us. Let's pray. Lord God, um, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts, may it be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer you are our light unto our path, in Jesus' name, amen. So, it's 1978, I'm 12 years old, my, uh, my t- older sister was off to college and I saved up for what was one of the first albums that I bought on my own, Some Girls by the Rolling Stones and their hit Beast of Burden, maybe you've heard it. I'll never be your beast of burden, my back is broad, but it's a hurtin'. And let's just leave it at that and say that I'm glad my mom didn't listen carefully to the rest of the words. It seemed to be a song that Keith Richards, who wrote it, that he wrote about his girlfriend, but he'd just say in interviews later on, oh, it's about much more than that. You know, hard to believe, I get it, that I'm going to try to make some kind of connection between that song and this gospel reading, but just bear with me. The song did come to mind last week when looking through this little story of Jesus and His disciples who were walking through the grain fields on a Sabbath day, and, and they get into an argument with the Pharisees. Big surprise, they're always getting into arguments with the Pharisees. Let's just call it a rocky relationship. So that's one of the connections. If you know anything about the Rolling Stones, you know that theirs was a rocky relationship, especially in the late 1970s uh, when Keith Richards struggled with some serious drug use and his 
His friend, uh, and, and with his friendship with Mick Jagger, it was all on the edge. He, he acknowledged that he was stressed. He acknowledged he was tired. He knew that he needed to make a, a change or he wouldn't be around much longer. To the world, to life, to Mick Jagger, he yelled out, I'll never be your beast of burden. My back is broad, but it's hurting. It wasn't long after that song that the Stones took a seven-year break from touring Sidebar, Krista and I saw them when they first returned back in 1989, Steel Wheels Tour, great concert. Is it a stretch to say that the Stones needed a Sabbath? Maybe so, but what about you? I mean, really, uh, before you answer, however, let's take a, a look back at, the, at the, the, the purpose of this gift of Sabbath, and let's look again at our, our gospel reading today. At the heart of this story, which may on its surface seem like a sort of a bizarre story or maybe even a petty story given why the Pharisees are so upset at the disciples, but nevertheless, at the heart of the story is the expectation that Jews were to honor the Sabbath by refraining from all work or from any kind of distraction that would stand in their way. Um, a distraction standing in their way of, of spending time, investing time fully in family and worship and in remembering the goodness of God, telling the stories of God over and over again to one another. The Sabbath originates in the very first words of Scripture. It originates in the stories of creation when God, as you might remember, created for seven days, and then on the seventh day He did what? He rested. That we've known then as our Sabbath. Then in the Ten Commandments, codified into law. God asks His people to follow His example, the example of the Sabbath, and to rest on the Sabbath day. Rabbi Abraham Heschel explains it this way. He says this, man wasn't created to be a beast of burden, thus the song, right? The Sabbath, therefore, isn't for us to enhance the efficiency of work, but to enhance the nourishment of our soul. I don't know about you, but for a lot of people, life has become a beast of burden, it, it seems, with little room for the nourishment of soul. Uh, so, it's interesting then that when we read statistics like these, maybe there is a correlation like 82% of Americans who feel overworked this, today. Uh, maybe that's why the vast majority of us feel like there's just not enough time in the day to get anything done. Maybe that's why high blood pressure is increasing, as is anxiety and stress and, and hypertension. Maybe that's why obesity is at an all-time high, why diabetes has gotten out of control. Did you know the number of people with pre-diabetes has tripled in the last 15 years alone? Is there a correlation? Who knows? Maybe, maybe not. Might Sabbath help? Well, at least let's take a look at two aspects of the Sabbath day that, that certainly make, uh, could make a difference. First, Sabbath keeps us grounded. Parker Palmer uh, tells a story about farmers in the Midwest who would prepare for blizzards in the upper Midwest, in particular by tying a rope from their back door, the back door of their home, uh, to their barn. Why? It's as a guide to ensure that they would return safely home. Sounds sort of funny to us living in the South, but in the upper Midwest, when blizzards can be harrowing and when you can't even see your hand in front of your face if the wind is whipping hard and fierce and dangerously, well, uh, it, it was important for them 
them to figure out a way so that they would not get disoriented in the space between their home and their barn, so that they wouldn't wander around in circles getting lost in their own backyards. It might seem sort of humorous, but it's very, very serious. So they'd hold on to a rope because they knew that if they lost their grip on the rope, it it could be impossible for them to find their way back home. Stories were told of, of, of folks who froze within feet of their back door, never realizing how close they were to safety. I think it's safe to say that many of us have lost our way in a, in a blizzard of, that seems to be swirling around us. I don't know what the blizzard is for you, but there seem to be multiple blizzards that are affecting us these days. Let's say just for the sake of being overworked, the blizzard of saying yes to, many thi- to too many things, maybe the blizzard of being overscheduled or tense or, or addicted to hurry or preoccupied or, or fatigued, whatever it is, uh, the blizzard of ending our days so exhausted from work and maybe from raising kids. And here's what's crazy about it all. Then we admire people who work even harder, who we think accomplish even more. They become our role models of all people. It's like we're addicted to being busy, otherwise we feel guilty. Add to that the storms that blow through life, you know, the storm that we've been uh, affected by so much these last two years, the unexpected storms that, that confront us and catch us off guard, and you wonder why we seem to be so disoriented and confused, maybe because we need a, a rope to hold on to to guide us home. Well, Sabbath can be that rope. You see, Sabbath was a gift from God given to the people of Israel once they escaped slavery in Egypt, where they worked, Scripture tells us, from sunup to sundown seven days a week. Once they were free, though, they were wandering around in the wilderness, and they were trying to figure out, they had not been free before, they didn't know how to live as free people, so they were trying to figure out how to live as a, as a free people that, that, that could form their own traditions and rituals and laws, right, to determine what was most important in, in life. So, God gave them some guidelines, what we call the Ten Commandments, what Martin Luther said were ten gifts from God for how to create faithful, healthy community. The first gift God gave to them was Sabbath. It's described in our second commandment that essentially says, look, you can work hard throughout your week, but on the seventh day, you shall rest. Not you should rest, but you shall rest. But offered to us not as a burden, but as, again, a gift because God knows that we need it. Our bodies need it. Our souls need it. Our kids need it. You need it. It was true then. It's true today. I mean, come on, two years of COVID has been hard, which I'm sure is one of the the biggest reasons why the national mood has just gotten so sour and and divisive, road rage. Give me a break. It seems to be everywhere these days. Politicians act like preschoolers. Masks, though necessary, I get it, of course they are, but they forced us, in truth, to be physically and emotionally distant from one another. It's just been exhausting. Sabbath invites us into an entirely different way of life, right? 
I mean, one thing that I've noticed and that I've always loved about the ancient practices of Sabbath is that it always begins with a, a meal together. We think oftentimes, especially in this context, this day and age, that Sabbath is really only the time for us to gather for worship. We've, we've, we've limited it to one hour a week, but Sabbath was a time that began on Friday evenings with a, a meal together. When the family would gather together as one, that's why work was prohibited so that they could fully invest in each other without the distractions of work or life. Listen to Rabbi Heschel again. He says that six days a week, life, our life is focused on having, on owning, on controlling. The goal of Sabbath is not to have, but to be. Not to own, but to give. Not to control, but to share. Not to subdue, but to be in accord. Therein lies the ultimate truth. Which is, which is why this little story is so very interesting, I think, of Jesus and His disciples. They're walking through the grain fields one Sabbath day. On surface, it seems like a very minor story. I mean, it's not anything that's necessarily going to change anyone's life. They're just walk, they're hungry. They're walking through the grain fields, perfectly legal, perfectly legit in those days for folks who were hungry to walk through fields and glean from fields. That's where the ancient practice of gleaning comes from. Farmers set aside parts of their crop that could be gleaned by those who needed food. So, the disciples hungry. They were walking through the grain fields. They were pulling grain. They were rubbing it together by hand to separate the chaff from the wheat. Now, any good farmer, which I am not, of course, I just read about stuff like this, any good farmer would, would know that you had to remove the husk that is around that, that grain, the outer layer of the grain, in order to uncover the, the kernel, the, the kernel that, that then the Scripture tells us that's what the, the disciples would, would then eat. It's a process that's called threshing. And technically, they were breaking the law, the Sabbath law, by, by threshing, by removing the husk, which is, which is precisely what God is trying to do for you and for me, don't you think? I mean, because God, what He's trying to do, and what seems to be so clearly revealed in this simple little story is, is, is He's trying to separate the truth that He has planted deep within us, the identity that He has implanted upon us from the husk of what this world is trying to say about us, the husk of, I don't know, the worthless stuff that we discussed last week, the, the husk of worthlessness that, that seems to be surrounding us or, or that people have been reminding us of that makes you question who you are, the stuff, the husk of stuff that you just keep worrying about on a daily basis, the stuff of the, the, the husk of junk that people have said about you or the assumptions that they've made a, about you. God wants to separate that. He wants to separate the husk from the truth. And what is the truth? That gentle, that beautiful, that powerful reminder that you, friends, have been claimed and chosen as a precious child of God by a God who knew you before you were in your mother's womb. But sadly, the world, life, has layered you with so much husk, with so much junk, that it's hard to uncover the kernel of that truth, to be reminded of that precious gift, our precious identity. 
That's why I love the image of Jesus and the disciples walking through the grain fields. They're threshing by hand, right? They're separating the husk from the kernel. The, the, the Pharisees, they're criticizing it. They're saying that the law forbids it, but, 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 but Jesus reminds them that even the law has been, become part of, part of a husk that is keeping us from seeing the way, the truth, and the life. The husk is, is everything, don't you see? Everything that is trying to pull our hands off the rope, all those things that are trying to keep us from finding our way home. The purpose of Sabbath is to help us reconnect with that truth of who we are and who God is and who we are in relationship with God and with one another. The, 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 the purpose of the Sabbath is to help us remember that gospel message by setting aside the distractions of this world that don't want us to know that truth that don't want us to find our way home. Sabbath gives us a rope to hold on to, a light to guide our path. It reveals for us that kernel of truth that we so desperately need to see and to know whenever these these blizzards get so treacherous and frightening. And I don't know about you, but my goodness gracious, I need that rope to hold on to. A member of a certain church who previously had been attending had been a part of that community, that worshiping community and that church community for, for a long time. And all of a sudden, stopped. He was no longer a part of the community. And so after a while, the pastor went to visit him. It was a chilly evening. He found the, the man home uh, alone, sitting before a blazing fire. And the man sort of guessed why the pastor was visiting. And, and he, he was hospitable, welcomed him in. And, and led him to a big chair next to the fire, and he waited. The pastor, though, said nothing. This would become a a sermon without words, which I'm sure you would love to hear more often, right? (laughs) The the pastor just, just waited, made himself comfortable, and in the silence, he contemplated the play of the flames around those burning logs. After a few minutes, the pastor took the fire tongs He carefully picked up a brightly burning ember and he placed it on one side of the hearth all alone. Then he sat back in his chair, still very silent. The host, this man, this older gentleman watched all of this in quiet fascination, no clue what was unfolding before him. But as that one lone ember's flame diminished, there was a momentary glow and then its fire was no more. It was cold. It was dead as a doornail. Not a word had been spoken since the initial greeting. Just before the pastor was ready to leave, he picked up that cold, dead ember and he placed it back in the middle of the fire. Immediately, immediately it began to glow once more with the light, with the warmth of the burning coals that were all around it. Two years of COVID... This felt like a glowing ember being removed from the fire, separated, alone, until it no longer glows. As we begin to emerge from this season of COVID, and we are, I believe that God is reminding us of this precious gift of Sabbath. Sabbath. 
of life and community, of worship, of remembering over and over again the goodness of God. If you're in here worshiping together in person or if you're online with us today and maybe God is placing upon your hearts a desire for, for reconnecting, allow that to be God speaking God's truth to you today. Allow that to be God speaking God's gift to you today, reminding you of the beauty of the gift of life in community. We would love to be that place, or any worshiping community in this world would love to be that place, not for our own sake, but for your sake, for our sake as a community, so that we can once again reclaim not just the reminder of who we are as precious children of God, but who we are as a precious community of God's people. And I believe that happens best in community and in worship. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you since the beginning of time for welcoming us into a a community of life that is first with you but also with one another, our sisters, our brothers in Christ. It's been hard to live in community these last couple of years, but Lord, as we, as we begin to see, to sense the dawn of a new day, Lord, I, I just pray that you will place upon our hearts a desire, a thirst to join with one another once again. Lord, where there is separation, where there is isolation, where there is fear and, and removal, where there are folks who do not feel the comfort of being engaged in community, I pray that you will bring the power of your grace, amazing grace, so that once again, we might, with, with hands opened wide, with hearts that are filled with great hospitality, that, that we might join together as one family, that we might worship you with all of our hearts, souls, and mind, and that we might over and over again remember the goodness of God. Lord, thank you for this time of worship. In Jesus' name, amen.